Chapter Three of *The Bishop's Secret* by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: The Unforeseen Happens. I fear," said Cargrim, with a gentle sigh, "I fear you are right about that public house, Mrs. Pansey." The chaplain made this remark to renew the discussion and, if possible, bring Gabriel into verbal conflict with the lady. He had a great idea of managing people by getting them under his thumb, and so far quite deserved Mrs. Pansey's epithet of a Jesuit. Of late, as Cargrim knew by a steady use of his pale blue eyes, the curate had been visiting the Derby winner, ostensibly on parochial business connected with the ill-health of Mrs. Mosk, the landlord's wife but there was a handsome daughter of the invalid who acted as barmaid and gabriel was a young and inflammable man so putting this and that together the chaplain thought he discovered the germs of a scandal hence his interest in mrs pansey's proposed reforms right echoed the archdiaconal widow loudly of course i am right the derby winner is a nest of hawks william mosk would have disgraced heathen rome in its worst days as for his daughter well mrs pansey threw a world of horror into the ejaculation miss mosk is a well-conducted young lady said gabriel growing red and injudicious lady bellowed mrs pansey shaking her fan and since when have brazen painted barmaids become ladies mr pendle she is most attentive to her sick mother protested the curate wincing no doubt sir i presume even jezebel had some redeeming qualities rubbish humbug don't tell me can good come out of nazareth good did come out of nazareth mrs pansey that is enough mr pendle do not pollute young ears with blasphemy and you the son of a bishop the curate of a parish remember what is to be the portion of mockers sir what happened to the men who threw stones at david oh but really dear mrs pansey you know mr pendle is not throwing stones people who live in glass houses dare not my dear i doubt your interest in this young person mr pendle she is one who tires her head and paints her face lying in wait for comely youths that she may destroy them she excuse me mrs pansey cried gabriel with an angry look you speak too freely and too ignorantly the derby winner is a well-conducted house for mrs mosk looks after it personally and her daughter is an excellent young woman i do not defend the father but i hope to bring him to a sense of his errors in time there is a charity which thinketh no evil mrs pansey and with great heat gabriel forgetting his manners walked off without taking leave of either the lady or miss norsham mrs pansey tossed her turban and snorted but seeing very plainly that she had gone too far held for once her virulent tongue Cargram rubbed his hands and laughed softly. "'Our young friend talks warmly, Mrs. Pansy. The natural chivalry of youth, my dear lady, nothing more.' "'I'll make it my business to assure myself that it is nothing more,' said Mrs. Pansy, in low tones. 
I fear very much that the misguided young man has fallen into the lures of this daughter of Heath. Do you know anything about her, Mr. Cargrim?' Too wise to commit himself to speech, the chaplain cast up his pale eyes and looked volumes. This was quite enough for Mrs. Pansey. She scented evil like a social vulture, and, taking Cargrim's arm, dragged him away to find out all the bad she could about the Derby winner and its too attractive barmaid. Left to herself, Miss Norsham seized upon Dean Alder, to whom she had been lately introduced, and played with the artillery of her eyes on that unattractive churchman. Mr. Dean was old and wizen, but he was unmarried and rich, so Miss Norsham thought it might be worth her while to play Vivian to this clerical Merlin. His weak point, speedily discovered, was archaeology, and she was soon listening to a dry description of his researches into Berminster Municipal Chronicles. But it was desperately hard work to fix her attention. Berminster, explained the pedantic dean, not unmoved by his listener's artificial charms, is derived from two Anglo-Saxon words, brr, a hill, and minster, the church of a monastery. Anciently, our city was called Burminster, the church of the hill, for, as you can see, my dear young lady, our cathedral is built on the top of a considerable rise, and thence gained its name. The townsfolk were formerly vassals, and even serfs, of the monastery, which was destroyed by Henry the Eighth. But the reformation brought about by that king put an end to the abbot's power. The head of the Berminster monastery was a mitred abbot. And Bishop Pendle is a mitred bishop? interposed the fair Daisy, to show the quickness of her understanding, and thereby displaying her ignorance. All bishops are mitred, said Dr. Alder testily. A crozier and a mitre are the symbols of their high office. But the Romish abbots of Berminster were not bishops, although they were mitred prelates. Oh, how very, very amusing, cried Daisy, suppressing a yawn. And the name of the river, dear Mr. Dean, does Burfleet mean the church of the hill, too? Certainly not, Miss Norsham. Fleet formerly flit, is a Scandinavian word, and signifies a flood, a stream, a channel. Burfleet, or as we now erroneously call it, Burfleet, means, in the vulgar tongue, the flood or stream of the hill. Even in Normandy the word flit has been corrupted, for the town now called Harfleur was formerly correctly designated as Havaflit. But I am afraid you find this information dull, Miss Norsham. This last remark was occasioned by Daisy yawning. It is true that she held a fan, and had politely hidden her mouth when yawning. Unfortunately, the fan was of transparent material, and Daisy quite forgot that Mr. Dean could see the yawn, which he certainly did. In some confusion she extricated herself from an awkward situation by protesting that she was not tired but hungry, and suggested that Dr. Alder should continue his instructive conversation at supper. Mollified by this dexterous evasion, which he saw no reason to disbelieve, the dean politely escorted his companion to the regions of champagne and chicken 
both of which aided the lady to sustain further doses of dry-as-dust facts dug out of a monastic past by the persevering dr alder it was in this artful fashion that the town mouse strove to ensnare the church mouse and succeeded so well that when mr dean went home to his lonely house he concluded that it was just as well the monastic institution of celibacy had been abolished on leaving mrs pansey in disgust gabriel proceeded with considerable heat into the next room where his mother held her court as hostess mrs pendle was a pale slight small-framed woman with golden hair languid eyes and a languid manner owing to her delicate health she could not stand for any length of time and therefore occupied a large and comfortable armchair her daughter lucy who resembled her closely in looks but who had more colour in her face stood near at hand talking to her lover both ladies were dressed in white silk with few ornaments and looked more like sisters than mother and daughter certainly mrs pendle appeared surprisingly young to be the parent of a grown-up family but her continuance of youth was not due to art as mrs pansey averred but to the quiet and undisturbed life which her frail health compelled her to lead the bishop was tenderly attached to her and even at this late stage of their married life behaved towards her more like a lover than a husband he warded off all worries and troubles from her he surrounded her with pleasant people and made her life luxurious and peaceful by every means obtainable in the way of money and influence it was no wonder that mrs pendle treading the primrose path with a devoted and congenial companion appeared still young she looked as fair and fragile as a peri and as free from mortal cares is that you gabriel she said in a low soft voice smiling gently on her younger and favourite son you look disturbed my dear boy mrs pansey said gabriel and considering that the name furnished all necessary information sat down near his mother and took one of her delicate hands in his own to smooth and fondle oh indeed mrs pansey echoed the bishop's wife smiling still more and with a slight shrug cast an amused look at lucy who in her turn caught sir harry's merry eyes and laughed outright old catamaran said brace loudly oh harry hush interposed lucy with an anxious glance you shouldn't why not but for the present company i would say something much stronger oh, i wish you would said gabriel easing his stiff collar with one finger my cloth forbids me to abuse mrs pansey properly what has she been doing now gabriel ordering the bishop to have the derby winner removed mother the derby winner repeated mrs pendle in puzzled tones is that a horse a public-house mother it is in my district and i have been lately visiting the wife of the landlord who is very ill mrs pansey wants the house closed and the woman turned out into the streets so far as i can make out the derby winner is my property said sir harry bluffly and it shan't be shut up for a dozen mrs pansies oh, think of a dozen mrs pansies murmured lucy pensively 
think of bedlam and pandemonium my dear thank goodness mrs pansey is the sole specimen of her kind nature broke the mould when that clacking nuisance was turned out she harry you really must not speak so loud mrs pansey might hear come with me dear i must look after our guests for i am sure mother is tired i am tired assented mrs pendle with a faint sigh thank you lucy i willingly make you my representative gabriel will stay beside me here is miss tancred observed harry brace in an undertone oh she must not come near mother whispered lucy in alarm take her to the supper-room harry but she'll tell me the story of how she lost her purse at the army and navy stores lucy you can bear hearing it better than mother can besides she'll not finish it she never does sir harry groaned but like an obedient lover intercepted a withered old dame who was the greatest bore in the town she usually told a digressive story about a lost purse but hitherto had never succeeded in getting to the point if there was one accepting the suggestion of supper with alacrity she drifted away on sir harry's arm and no doubt mentioned the famous purse before he managed to fill her mouth and stop her prosing lucy who had a quiet humour of her own in spite of her demure looks laughed at the dejection and martyrdom of sir harry and taking the eagerly proffered arm of a callow lieutenant ostentatiously and hopelessly in love with her went away to play her part of deputy hostess she moved from group to group and everywhere received smiles and congratulations for she was a general favourite and with the exception of mrs pansey every one approved of her engagement behind a floral screen a band of musicians who called themselves the yellow hungarians and individually possessed the most unpronounceable names played the last waltz a smooth swinging melody which made the younger guests long for a dance in fact the callow lieutenant boldly suggested that a waltz should be attempted with himself and lucy to set the example but his companion snubbed him unmercifully for his boldness and afterwards restored his spirits by taking him to the supper-room here they found miss tancred in the full flow of her purse story so lucy having pity on her lover bestowed her escort on the old lady as a listener and enjoyed supper at an isolated table with sir harry the sucking wellington could have murdered brace with pleasure and very nearly did murder miss tancred for he plied her so constantly with delicacies that she got indigestion and was thereby unable to finish about the purse gabriel and his mother were not long left alone for shortly there approached a brisk old lady daintily dressed who looked like a fairy godmother she had a keen face bright eyes like those of a squirrel and in gesture and walk and glance was as restless as that animal this piece of alacrity was miss winchelow who was the aunt of mab arden the beloved of george pendle mab was with her and gracious and tall looked as majestic as any queen as she paced in her stately manner by the old lady's side her beauty was that of juno for she was imperial and a trifle haughty in her manner 
with dark hair dark eyes and dark complexion she looked like an oriental princess quite different in appearance to her apple-cheeked silvery-haired aunt there was something jewish about her rich eastern beauty and she might have been painted in her yellow dress as esther or rebecca or even as jael who slew sisera on the going down of the sun well good folks said the brisk little lady in a brisk little voice and how are you both tired mrs pendle of course what else can you expect with late hours and your delicacies i don't believe in these social gatherings your presence here contradicts that assertion said gabriel giving up his chair oh i am a martyr to duty i came because mab must be amused i only hope she is not disappointed said mrs pendle kindly for she knew how things were between her eldest son and the girl i am sorry george is not here my dear oh, i did not expect him to be replied mab in her grave contralto voice and with a blush he told me that he would not be able to get leave from his colonel ah his colonel knows what is good for young men cried miss whichello work and diet both in moderate quantities my dear mrs pendle if you only saw those people in the supper-room simply digging their graves with their teeth i pity the majority of them to-morrow morning have you had supper miss winchello asked gabriel oh yes a biscuit and a glass of weak whisky and water quite enough too mab here has been drinking champagne recklessly only half a glass aunt don't take away my character my dear if you take half a glass you may as well finish the bottle for the harm it does you champagne is poison much or little it is rank poison come away miss arden and let us poison ourselves suggested the curate it wouldn't do you any harm mrs pendle cried the little old lady you are too pale and champagne in your case would pick you up iron and slight stimulants are what you need i am afraid you are not careful what you eat i am not a dietitian miss whichello i am my dear ma'am and look at me sixty-two and as brisk as a bee i don't know the meaning of the word illness in a good hour be it spoken added miss whichello thinking she was tempting the gods by the way what is this about his lordship being ill the bishop ill faltered mrs pendle half rising he was perfectly well when i saw him last oh dear me what is this he's ill now in the library at all events wait mother said gabriel hastily i will see my father don't rise don't worry yourself pray be calm gabriel walked quickly to the library rather astonished to hear that his father was indisposed for the bishop had never had a day's illness in his life he saw by the demeanour of the guests that the indisposition of their host was known for already an uneasy feeling prevailed and several people were departing the door of the library was closed and locked cargrim was standing sentinel beside it evidently irate at being excluded you can't go in pendle said the chaplain quickly dr graham is with his lordship is this sudden illness serious i don't know his lordship refuses to see any one but the doctor he won't even admit me 
said Cargrim, in an injured tone. 'What has caused it?' asked Gabriel, in dismay. 'I don't know,' replied Cargrim, a second time. 'His lordship saw some stranger who departed ten minutes ago, and then he sent for Dr Graham. I presume this stranger is responsible for the bishop's illness.' End of chapter 3